0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, an episode with David Marino. Many of you may know of him through his work at the Mint Collective, and he did a lot of consulting for Collectible. We were going to get together at the National, and that did not happen because of the record attendance there, and so we just set up an appointment to talk afterwards. He had some things he wanted to ask me that were more personal or uh, private. And I said, well, let's just talk about that. But I'm going to turn on the recorder to do a podcast as well. I'm just not sure what to title it. So I just called it ramblings. This is not the confidential part where he was talking about some industry situations. Wanted to get feedback on that. And always nice to talk about what's going on and how the industry can be stronger and better. So thanks, David, for what you do. Thanks also to sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, and Compsy.com. Here's my conversation with David. Just ramblings between two guys that love the hobby. David Marino's on with me. We're going to talk about the industry, about the hobby. Those are actually two different things, I think, in both of our opinions. But I got to know David through the Mint Collective and through his work with Collectible, and I know he cares about the industry. David, welcome to the show. Dr. Beckett, it's a pleasure.
1: You guys all just missed the 15-minute prelude where I was
0: talking about my
1: childhood affection for Beckett Magazine and the industry, and I'm excited to be here.
0: What's your hobby tombstone so far, and what do you want it to be? Just to get to because I think you did some great work, especially that first year of the Mint Collective that I attended. That had your fingerprints on it. And uh, Collectible certainly had a day in the sun. But what are you most proud of so far, and what do you hope your hobby legacy is going to be?
1: Wow. Thank you, by the way. I think that first year of Mint, not to diminish the second year, was equally fun and interesting. But that first year of the Mint Collective really bringing it to fruition from idea and initial conversations with ezra and alex our head of marketing and then bringing img to the table and going through all the motions and those initial conversations with people that i truly respected in the hobby first conversation was christina from card ladder cage ty and mitch one by one people signed on especially christina to really try and shape that and make it something for everybody in the hobby and i think the for everybody in the hobby is something that's very hard to achieve and i think we came really close it was an awesome event but my key takeaway from that event was we were first elevating the industry and getting people to think about themselves differently and one thing we really did well at collectible was we got people to think differently about content taking collectible out of it it was a time where there was a lot of money pouring into the industry. And Mint Collective was the first event to repackage all of the best aspects of the hobby in a different way. And I think the interesting thing there is Mint looked like a B2B summit, right? Realistically, it was a new age industry summit at the end. But the idea there truly was, to be a provocative thought leadership event for the hobby and marry the commoditization that was occurring with the true collector mentality.
0: The things you're talking about that you've been involved with, they're hard to compare because they were innovative. The Mint Collective, that first year, people didn't know what to compare it to. It had little bits and pieces of things from our industry, from other industries, but it's well-executed and collectible. Maybe that was ahead of its time. Gave people access to cards they wouldn't otherwise have. And uh, I guess other people were doing it and are doing it. It's it's not yeah. a easy thing to execute. Somebody's going to do it. So you're throwing out ideas and executing on them.
1: Yeah, and I think collectible is a good lesson on timing. Some really good people involved there that it was a new idea to the space. Uh, but I look at my growth as a collector through my time spent at collectible. And not putting collectible down, but realistically, I think that collecting is such a personal process. And if you truly care about cards and you care about collecting, even if you care about the financial benefits of cards, the decision making is so personal. And through fractionalization, you are at the will of other people's decision making. And that was probably my least favorite part of that process.
0: One of the, Estate planning devices that high powered attorneys suggest are these limited partnerships where you get a discount in the value based on the illiquidity or the lack of control that you have in a minority interest in something. And that really didn't apply to collectible. When people were buying into the asset, they were buying in at kind of the full value. And if you compare to that other thing, it's not a secret that these closely held or illiquid shares in something where you had very little control, it's not a huge surprise that it might be eventually trading at a discount to the actual value item. And then you throw in the fact that the value of items in general went down over that period. It made a lot of headwinds for a collectible. But my question to you, David, is are you ever involved in any small things? Because it seems like I've only known you to be involved in big things. So are you a big idea, big thing guy, or are there other things you want to do in the industry that are smaller?
1: I do a lot of smaller things in the industry that I like to keep private, but I think I'm definitely a big idea person. I've always had a big personality, most of the time to my detriment, but most of the time it's tended to work out. My collection, it's funny because now you have this content Veer to the left, I'm a collector, I'm a collector. But my collection is very personal to me. I find it very hard to part with cards. I'm a well-known card hoarder. Um, but I'm beginning to learn how to sell my own collection as I'm beginning to help sell other people's. But I think community is one of the most interesting aspects of this industry. And I focused a lot of my time on creating big ideas and big moments for the industry focused on building a community, so. That is probably where I will continue my efforts, whether it be pop-up events or shows or whatever else ends up coming into the sphere.
0: Based on your experience so far, do you prefer being like a free agent, like working for yourself or working for a larger company to help them achieve their goals? What do you think the future holds for you?
1: It's a great question. There's great large companies. I, I tend to walk to the beat of my own drum and stay off on my own. Even with Collectible, I was a consultant. I just spent a tremendous amount of time working on that engagement. Um I like to interact with as many people as possible and I tend to call balls and strikes and try not to get involved in the interpolitics between companies. I keep a lot of friends close that probably wouldn't want to be in the same rooms, especially in times like this. I'm very proud of that. I, I like to remain as neutral as possible.
0: Well, we've got a transition with the National just a little while ago that was super successful to next year. It's Joe and Jimmy and Brian. Those guys have big ideas. Are you consulting with the new guys because you're an events guy? Did you see obvious things that you think they'll do to try to make the next one even better, which I think is going to be really difficult in Cleveland?
1: I'm bullish on Cleveland. People gloss over the fact that Cleveland's an amazing cultural city. It's got a tremendous food scene. It's actually a city I've been meaning to go to for a very long time and haven't made it, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Right now, I'm not involved. It's a dream for me to be involved with the National. One of the first calls I made was to Dan Burkett and Sharon and John Brocey when we were doing the Ming Collective to let them know that our goal was not to be a competitive event. We were trying to be added to the space, and I think we honored that. Luckily, I got to know Joe Drellick very well for a few years, I should say, prior to the national news coming out. So I think we have a very solid footing relationship and I I have a tremendous respect for him as a person. And I've gotten to know Jimmy and Brian over the past year or so, and they have a tremendous track record as well. My view is that the national is in great hands and I, I tend to skew corporate, but I care a lot about the dealers and local card shops and spend a lot of my time focused on local card shops. And I think there's going to be a great balance next year. That should make everybody happy. Just given what I saw last year and the year prior, I think that dealers, consumers, attendees, corporates, there'll be a more homogenous floor in Cleveland. And I think this is another step forward for the industry.
0: When I observe you, it seems like you have a balance between kind of real life media and social media. My generation is probably more just meet with the people and the really young people are just so much social media. It seems like you strike a balance that you're a people person, but you know how to use the modern digital tools as well.
1: Personally, I'm not tremendously big on social media, but I do post. I like to share moments. I was saying to you before, as I was thinking about shows and over the past couple months, I I picked up some old Beckett's and comparing the boom to boom, right? Early nineties to now, I was curious as to how shows were advertised and what the community interactivity was like in the early 90s. And I was shocked by how many shows there were. There was pages and pages in the back of Beckett just advertising shows. Personally, I I love a regional show. I'll fly to a national show. The national is the grail to me, but there's so many flying shows now. But regional shows are really, to me, the pulse. And I look at all of these regional shows and look at the front row card show this weekend. Record attendance. You know, Every show, people are striving for that in-person connectivity. As much as I love social media, and I think social media is important for brand and raising awareness and provoking thought, I think that, especially in this industry, that in-person connectivity, that energy, that ability to look forward to seeing people you are not locally connected to is becoming a big part of this space. And I'm really excited to see this aspect of the industry grow. There's about 10 or 12 people I'm looking forward to connecting with in Toronto in November. I've already got plans for Philadelphia. I've already got plans for Chantilly. Unfortunately, I'm going to miss the Burbank show. And I'm really upset about that. As exciting as social media is, it's nice to put the phone down and touch some cards and see some friends and have a cocktail.
0: But you're a throwback in that sense, because, David, in the early 90s, I think our magazine was a common denominator going to your LCS was a common denominator and going to the local show or the bigger show in your area was a common denominator. Now, you don't need any of those things if you have social media and other kinds of uh, online opportunities. You don't have to leave your house and still have a hobby experience. But I really believe that at the core of it, it's getting together with like-minded people. And uh, it's not about getting a monthly magazine as much as consuming content now, more digital content. But you've got to get together in the LCS or at the show. But if you look back at the early 90s, yes, there were a lot of shows there, but a lot of them were smaller. Now there's a lot of really big shows, not as many smaller shows. If it's a small show, people are thinking, what am I going to see there? But a big show with lots of competition, with dealers from all around with a variety of stuff, those things are hopping. And like I said, they're setting records because they're being successful in the sense that it's working for the dealers and the collectors and the quote-unquote, investors and flippers. It's just a positive experience for everybody, and I hope it always is. But as we were talking earlier, it's a delicate equilibrium.
1: For sure, to gently oppose that view, I think you're seeing this increased volume at these shows based off of the communities that are being driven socially and online. To me, the most interesting part of the hobby when I was coming back and I have different opinions on breaking as the entry point into the space, but mostly favorable, right? But the communities, the break rooms have, those communities thrived during the pandemic. And a lot of the friendships that were made, I have friends that I met in break rooms in 2020 and 2021 that I look forward to going to see at shows and make plans with, that I travel with.